HR After Hours. Well, slather me in honey and call me Pooh. Anna Campton, <laughs> how in the heck are you today? I'm good. Okay, I liked that one. I didn't know where it was going. And then uh, the whole Pooh. I remember, okay, for a quick story, I had a friend who loved Winnie the Pooh and would tell people, I'm going to decorate my bathroom in Pooh. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> No, I'm like, don't say that. Nope, you're not going to decorate your bathroom in poo. You got to say I'm going to decorate my bathroom in Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, nope. poo, Winnie the Pooh characters or something. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I hope you never let that friend live that one down. I won't. And once again, we're starting off our podcast with the type of professional class that only Mick and Hannah can provide. She'd come to expect it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I know that last week we talked about still not quite being into our old regular format. And, yeah. just, you know, I've been working in some markets that are doing some soft launching. Yeah. And I have some clients that are doing my Noah's Ark theory where they're waiting to see what other do that work and doesn't yeah. work or they try it. I feel like we're turning a corner. And I think some people are just at the point where they're stir crazy that maybe being locked in with their family. Like I'm kind of lucky. I mean, we have two two people and a dog in a a pretty decent sized house. Mm -hmm. So we're separated and we're not interacting as much. And there are times that I think uh, Mrs. Danzig is considering going back to the office so she doesn't have to face the alternative, which would be serving time for murdering me. And <laughs> But I have, you know, I do have friends who are both the husband and wife and the kids and the pets are all in one yeah. space. And that's and hard. They're going crazy. Yes, that I'm starting to get a little antsy. I'm not going to go and protest at the governor's office without a mask on like some of the COVIDians <laughs> that we've seen earlier. So, Hannah, it sounds like maybe mm -hmm. I'm starting to be influenced by some of the COVIDians, and you think I need to reel myself in a little bit on trying to get back to normal too early. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of workers out there are not comfortable going back to work. Uh, there was a survey done by a company called Citrix, and they surveyed about 2,000 people, and 77% of the workers said that they'd like to keep working from home or only enter the office for specific purposes. So, um, you know, there's concern about reopening physical offices without safety measures included. Now, some of the additional um, things that, that the, the survey talked about was 51% of people would return to the office if there's regular employee testing and health screening. 46% said they'd return to the office if there was an effective vaccine. 44% uh, would return if there was a, um, that they'd be comfortable if employer mandated contact tracing and movement apps. 48 or 40, sorry, 38%, I can't read today, 38% <laughs> <laughs> uh, government mandated contact tracing and movement apps. And then 28%. Uh, said that they'd feel comfortable if there was a flexible sick leave return policy, which we've all talked about, like people are sick, let's have them stay home. So those are some of the measures uh, that pe would make people comfortable. Now, there are some bigger companies that have already made decisions. Google and Facebook are uh, telling their people to work remotely until the end of 2020. And I think it's Twitter 
uh, is permanently moving to a work from home uh, setup. So, you know, some companies are just making that decision of, hey, we know that this COVID-19 thing is going to be for the long haul. We know there's going to be a second wave. So let's just go ahead and uh, let's just go ahead and have people stay at home for positions that they can successfully do their jobs from home. I do think if you had to try to find a positive from the pandemic and what everyone's been through lately, it is a lot of companies where the associates were pushing to be able to work remotely more frequently or even at all when they knew that they could do the job as effectively, if not more effectively from home. Because let's talk, I mean, seriously, the amount of time that people spend doing chit chat in the office, Mm -hmm. people swinging by and interrupting you in your office and things like that, that there can, you know, if you have a good home environment where you can be left alone, I think the productivity is actually increased. Uh, So this has kind of forced some companies that the boss maybe was just like, no, I'll never be that type of company. Now they're like, really, they were, they're, they're, they have data to look at, right? They have examples. Did it work? Did it not work during COVID-19? So I do think that's the only kind of positive I can come up with is hopefully there's some people that are going to be able to work from home that, you know, that now they don't have to worry about childcare or or not as much. Because I still don't know how single parents do it when, you know, you have to make sure that your little one gets to work or to school. I'm I'm shipping them (laughs) off to Nike. They're going to China and they're making me some Air Jordans. I'm shipping them (laughs) off to But no, you know what I mean? I don't know how, I don't understand how people are able to make that work. And so I do think that being able to get up a little early, knock out some work, take a break, Mm -hmm. take your little one to the bus stop. That is something that people should have been able to do for a long time. Sure. Um, But But there there is that social aspect though of the office. I know that a lot of people enjoy and myself included the interactions that, that we have with, with one another. I know that my office that I work in, I I work with a lot of great people and I enjoy, we, we eat lunch together and have fun, you know, conversations and we have a puzzle table. So I certainly, I know that I'm missing a lot of the social interaction that comes with being in an office, but certainly understand productivity wise, sometimes, especially if you're in a position where you need that kind of that, that time to get in the zone, to get creative or to, you know, coding and all of that, that having those disruptions not occur is a good thing. And you need that. And I I could see how, uh, how a number of people would say I'm much more productive working from home than I am when I'm in the office with the distractions of people with noise, people coming into the offices and all that other stuff. So certainly I see that. But I think there should be a balance. And I think that's what a lot of companies will find because, Mm -hmm. you know, you've given very specific, specific examples of where your company is very collaborative and you can do that because you have to online, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing to me. And maybe I'm showing my age here, Hannah, but Mm -hmm. man, (laughs) I mean, I have done some of my best work sitting around a conference table, spitballing with other people sure. with the old whiteboard. And th- I, I think there's still there's still a benefit to interaction. And I yeah. think some offices, I think, will do three off, two on, things like that. Or if they're going to do the 50-50, where half their employees come in one day, the other half come in the other as far as the uh, non-essentials. I think there's options. And I think that we'll see, hopefully, a better U.S. business model as a result of this if we were to have any positive results. But speaking of 
questionable business model. Mm, and I'm a little yes. biased, so I'm going to hand it over to you. Yes. You know, this is okay. not, this is something that's almost two weeks old, but I think this conversation yeah. is ongoing and very fresh. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Amazon and, and some of the pushback they've seen. Sure. Yeah. And this is something, it is an older story, but in the grand scheme of things, not that old. Um, well, so Amazon allegedly, and I'll say allegedly, because, you know, that's uh, that's the right way to do it. But Amazon allegedly fired some employees who protested conditions at um, some other warehouses. And this act of, of these employees getting fired prompted the vice president uh, of Amazon Web Service, Web Services and Engineering, uh, this individual named Tim Bray, uh, caused him to resign from his position. And basically, uh, the reason for this individual, the vice president resigning was, and he said this in a, in a blog, remaining an Amazon VP would have meant, in effect, signing off on actions I despised. So I resigned. So here we have somebody in a leadership position who disagreed with the with something the company had did, uh, disagreed very much. I, I feel like probably hardcore. Like this is probably one of one of, something that is a uh, something that he values is how people how employees are treated. But this individual decided to resign from his position, and I feel like okay, is thinking about it from an HR perspective. Is this something that other people would do or have done? And I know that you had worked at a company that you disagreed with some of the direction of, of the company where it was going and uh, had a similar situation. So what are your thoughts on, on this story? And, you know, what are how do you personally feel? So first off, Tim Bray is my newest hero. <laughs> Once again, one of my favorite sayings, not all heroes wear capes. Yep. Tim Bray you rock. That's how I'm going to start it. Love it. It's something that I feel, depending on when you catch me, this is something I feel pretty passionate about. I, I took a detour in my career, staying, still staying in recruiting, but I wanted to learn the logistics industry. And it's not as people-centric as I expected. I actually went to work for a company that had was a startup, and they had this amazing culture that was created by their founder. Then as they grew at an incredible rate, they were for they had growing pains and they were mm -hmm. forced to bring in some former Amazon leadership and mm -hmm. some leadership from some similar companies. Just logistic departments aren't known for being warm and fuzzy. And I, I I just didn't realize the entire industry or most of the industry, I should never use the word entire. Mm -hmm. It's it's similar because as I was interviewing different people in different departments and talking to a lot of associates, the pickers, the packers, sorters, mm. all those. It's a, it's a tough physical job. One of the things that these companies track is the rate of production or pick pack rate as they call it and their productivity and their throughput, which is how, you know, the actual end result of how many mm. people getting the desired to the finished point and the different things that impact that rate or that target rate of productivity is if people are new, mm -hmm. if they're just not hitting an expectation of the rate, et cetera. And it is a turn and burn industry at all mm -hmm. levels. I met yeah. some of the greatest people that really did I mean, made me want to be a better person as far as work and, and, and interacting and making a difference. 
But in a lot of these logistic companies, HR is not a function for making things great for the associates. Mm. I have been in the room when HR professionals have spent 48 hours trying to make the data they're putting together match what operations wants it to say. And I have seen these large meetings that are, you know, upper leadership that I was a part of where the entire weekly meeting that you're reporting to the CEO about your department is, you know, you're reporting to your productivity or the data for that week. The amount of time that is wasted playing the cover your ass game. So these meetings would be at five o'clock on a Tuesday and they'd typically be two hours long. So it's not only after hours, because there is no such thing as after hours though, (laughs) but it's, hey, let's wait till you put a whole day in and then let's decide who we're going to beat up for a goal not being met. They'll spend, the upper leadership will spend, the people that are going to be held accountable for that data all day Monday and half of the day Tuesday, deciding who they're going to blame for them not hitting their metrics. And so it's never about the people. It's about numbers and data. And I actually saw a, a definite lack of inclusivity, a definite, you know, I don't care. I don't have time to deal with that person's problem attitude. And the only industry that I think is tougher on people that I'm familiar with, I'm sure there are plenty out there, is the gaming industry Mm -hmm. Um, during crunch week when you have a a game to launch. I'm not surprised. I think Tim Bray is a hero. I feel like I should step off my soapbox now, but um, I I love it. I think the fact that he did something where that enabled us or prompted this conversation that alone me tells me he did a great thing so thank you tim bray and uh yeah i'll step off my soapbox now no i think you brought up some good points so it, it it's you know i think it's something to really think about especially and i'm, I'm going to speak to people who maybe are interested in getting into hr or maybe interested in switching industries but i feel like yeah there are industries in which the HR department can really be people first, people focused. And then there's industries where it's not so much. And I hate to say, you know, I I think that a lot of companies will try to say, hey, we're people first. And the HR department does that. But I I feel like you need to put your money where your mouth is. And it's not it doesn't necessarily come to fruition. And I feel like this is definitely it can be a little bit of a, a taboo topic. And uh, somewhat controversial, but I, I do feel like there are industries that will say they're people first, but they're not. They're not people centric. And it is all about the numbers and the metrics and do whatever it takes to hit your numbers versus, okay, let's create a company with a great culture where people stick around and enjoy working here and make a career out of it. And I'd say, you know, logistics is probably a very difficult one because, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business you need to run and you do need to hit numbers. But is there something that we can do as HR professionals to have a balance where you can create a great culture and also hit those numbers? So I feel like that's that you're putting some great things out there for people to think about. And I certainly I know I've 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 done HR in a number of industries and I I right now my role and the industry I'm in right now is where I, I is where I fit. It's where I belong. It's what I enjoy. I love being in the tech world. I work for a software company and I love it. I love uh, 
everything, you know, I love everything about the company I work for right now. So I feel like I found my place. So that's something to think about. If you want to work in HR, you're currently in HR and you're looking to change jobs, change industries, be really mindful and make sure you find one that fits with the way you like to do HR. I absolutely agree because I didn't do enough research. This is something I wanted to learn. I was excited about this specific company. I should have gone out and spent time talking to professionals that were already in that field and just asked them, what do you like the most? What do you like the least? Where's your biggest challenge? If you could change anything about this company or this industry, what would it be? You mentioned that if people would just take the time to think about it and see what they could come up with. What's amazing is I have a freaking solution. You know, if, if upper leadership would spend the time and energy that they waste on pinning the blame and creating a cover your ass meeting mentality, if they would take that time and energy and shift it to telling their people that they care about them and finding out what concerns them about the Mm -hmm. job, what do they not feel safe about, et cetera. If they did that and spent that time and energy, you would be shocked. Well, you wouldn't be Hannah, but they would be shocked (laughs) at how quickly these target metrics that they are fighting over and blaming over and destroying careers over, these target metrics would actually correct themselves. They would hit or exceed the goals that constantly taunt them right now if they just spent that time getting to know their people, finding out what is great for them, and if they would actually manage individuals to their strengths and finding out what makes them tick and what their career goals are, they would have a utopian society, which they claim to already have at amazon.com and could not be further from. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all she wrote. And that's all she wrote. No. uh, (laughs) So I, I, I do think, I just think that sometimes that HR's, function is not the truth. And this is a case where if they really allowed their HR teams to come in and say, let us spend some time with you and your people and almost even act as the mediator, that -hmm. they could, they could make incredible impact. They can make an incredible impact, but I've seen the HR professionals that come in to those environments and they come in just so full of passion and someone pulls them into their office within the first week and just quashes it. You know, and they just, <laughs> they just rip the heart and soul out of them and say, no, your job in HR is to support our direction as operations and make sure that the data supports what we tell you it supports. And I hope to get a response for that. Feel free to shoot us an email. Yes. We'd love to hear from you. Comment on one of our social media pages. Maybe I maybe I saw some, only the worst pieces of that, and there were some great things happening behind the curtain with Oz that I missed. I don't know. That's all I have to say about that. I'm just kidding. That's my <laughs> force gum. Uh, but no, I think you really well said, and and you experienced it. And I, you know, a lot of times in in life, sometimes you just need you need to learn lessons by experiencing things, and it could be a lot of pain. But I I also feel like, gosh, great lessons are learned through hardships and through difficult situations. So. Certainly, you got a great lesson from that. That We didn't even realize it, and that's the theme of today's show, right? If we use that same approach, you know, we have to 
learn to care about people. We have to learn that we're in this together. We have to worry about the concerns. Like I love that you've always said, I wear a mask to protect others. Me, I love that. And um, the same thing, you know, there are, there are going to be some business models that can be approved where people have a little more flexibility to work remotely, yep. uh, at least a portion of it. I think this will also help some employers understand what their team members go through as far as balancing work and life and, right. and people where they need. So that's me trying to find a glass half full out of mm -hmm. all this. And uh, so there you are. You're rubbing off on me again, Hannah. Yay! Hampton. I love it. So once again, I'm going to steal Hannah's uh, catchphrase. Let's do everything we can to put the human back in human resources. <laughs>